Hello and welcome to Wine Blast. I'm Peter Richards and joining me as ever is my wife and fellow master of wine, Susie Barry, uh, who's looking generous. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what you were going to say there. Very good. Generous. What, what exactly does generous look like, I wonder? Um, anyway, I'm going to take it. Don't, don't. I'm going to take it as a positive. Okay. Because yep. I think we have got good reason to feel generous. Considering this episode do. does feature do. a pretty tasty giveaway. Mm. Um, we have two six-bottle cases of fine Bordeaux wines to give away to two lucky winners. How about that? Well, it's well worth playing for, isn't it? I mean, more details on how to enter will come towards the end of the show. Um, meantime, can I, just, can I just clarify that Generous uh, looks mm. lovely? Uh, does that get me out does of the podcast? No. No. <laughs> Try harder. Yeah, um, I don't know. I know. Anyway, um, yes, this is an episode in association with Cote de Bordeaux uh, and forms the concluding instalment in our three-part mini-series on Bordeaux, which has really been quite a lot of fun, hasn't it? Mm. And um, also pretty eye-opening along the way, I think it's fair Absolutely. to Absolutely. I mean, we've talked to some fascinating producers mm. and Bordeaux expert Jane Anson. Yeah. Um, we've recommended some great value wines. Mm. We've even had a pop quiz and featured things like um, bats, didn't we? Yes, and bats. non-fungible tokens. Mm. Robots, heavy metal orange wine, and (laughs) ultimate breakfast cocktail. Oh, now that involves blood orange and so sound, doesn't it? Which, anyway. uh, (laughs) Whoa. So, well worth checking out the previous episodes if you haven't already. Um, But now we're turning our attention to the hotbed of innovation, affordability, and sustainability that are the coat. In the Côte de Bordeaux, so we are historically uh, wine growers and winemakers, but at the same time, I think there is a new generation coming in. We have the flexibility and the agility in small family-run estates to, to create some new wines, to plant uh, what we think is uh, the best. More on that in a bit, uh, as well as some of our top tips for great value wines. Um but it's an interesting topic, isn't it? Because because mm. the coats are part of Bordeaux that often fly a bit under the radar, don't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Even though you know they do tend to offer what we all crave and talk about a lot, which mm-hmm. is you know affordability and value for money. And it's it? not as if it's a tiny area either, is it? Mm. You know, the Côte de Bordeaux are a grouping of five subregions. You've got Blaye, Castillon, Cadillac, Franc, and Saint-Foy. Mm. They tend to be fairly hilly hence the term Cote, which means hillsides. Mm. And between them, they account for more than 12,000 hectares of vineyards, 950 producers, and around one in every 10 bottles of Bordeaux. It's quite something, isn't it, when you think about it? It is, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I read it was the, the fourth largest AOC in France, which puts things into perspective. It really does. The fourth I mean, largest yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the in- important to say they're not all... Um, contiguous or, or next to each other these particular code appellations they're, they're dotted all over the entre-de-mer and right bank uh, of Bordeaux um, they're often sort of not too far from the rivers are, are they the, the mm. Garonne and the Dordogne yeah, yeah. Um, and the vast majority of the appellation production is red wine it's about 97% red so we're talking really red wines mm. here uh, with Merlot uh, tending to be the dominant variety and as is typical of these, you know, of these parts in, in Bordeaux. But what, but what's really interesting about the coat, I think, is is the way that because they're slightly under the radar, mm. they can do more interesting, innovative mm. things, yeah. and yeah. and almost, if you like, be the agents for change in what is, let's face it, quite a traditional region. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. both, I think, 
in terms of things like sustainability, but also more experimental wine styles. Mm -hmm. And the younger generation uh, and family owners, they also do a very good job, I would say, of challenging the stereotypical image of Bordeaux Mm -hmm. as a region of suits and and bankers and crazily priced wine. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. So you could say, you know, their importance or um, influence may be greater than it it seems at first sight. Mm. Um, yeah. So well worth taking a look at. Um, now, when we spoke to Bordeaux expert Jane Anson, uh, we asked her for her take on the coats, and this is what she had to say. So the coats, probably they took the lead way before um, other people in terms of these not unusual varieties, but going back to the older varieties because they know they have to stand out. So where I first started seeing the rise of Malbec, for example, it was always in the coats, particularly in Borg and Bly. And now you're seeing Malbec all over being planted, but it started in Borg and Bly. And so good for them. I think that that's what they're doing. The nice thing about the coats is they tend to be small family-run properties, like largely like 90% family-run properties, very, very high. And they're usually smaller. There's a lot of family transmission going from one generation to the next. So you have that kind of innovation. They, they don't, they're not able to charge a lot per bottle, which is tough for them, but sometimes good for the consumer. And, the, and it's usually direct. It's going direct. So you have that kind of, um, you know, relationship with them. Mm. They're the guys who led this idea of single grape variety um, cuvées. I think the rise of single varietal wines and the single varietal wines, which are really not typical in Bordeaux, and then the revival of older varieties like Malbec are really interesting. Mm. Yeah, they are. You know, I read a a stat recently that it's been the likes of Petit Verdot, Carmenere and Malbec, traditionally the lesser planted Bordeaux mm. varieties that have been growing the fastest in the region. You know, over the over the past 20 years, the vineyard area for these three varieties has doubled from 1,440 hectares in 2000 to 3,411 in 2020. Good stats. Good you like a good stat, do. don't you? I like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, let's face it, it's still relatively small fry in a region of uh, what is it, 110,000 hectares. Yeah, yeah. But we're starting to see some of these varieties emerging as single varietal wines now, and they're often really delicious. They are. And we've got one coming up a bit later in the programme. Um, and I, I think, I don't know, It's I feel, I don't know what you think, but I feel that these varieties are just going to keep growing and becoming more and more yeah. important. You know, I think yeah. everyone right now is reevaluating their vines in the light of climate change, yeah, yeah, absolutely. among other things. And these particular varieties are prime candidates in, in, in that sense, are they? They're often the sort of later ripening yeah. uh, type varieties. Yeah, exactly. Suit a world and also, we're going to be seeing more, more, more experimental ones anyway in the future, I, I imagine. We've yeah. already talked about in previous programs, you know, the, the new variety, experimental varieties like Tariga Nacional and Marcelan and mm-hmm. other things like that. Um, and I just wonder if this trend won't be led by growers in the coat. Well, it could well be. I mean, mm. you know, why not? To, to see, won't it? Anyway, we wanted to get the views of a family wine grower in the coat. So we turned to the lovely Pauline Lapierre of Chateau Orient in Cadillac. Um, it's a relatively large property. It's got 85 hectares of vines. The family set up shop there in 1989. And it isn't your average family either, because Pauline's parents, Michelle and Isabel, were originally from 
Alsace and Champagne, mm. respectively. Uh, they came to Bordeaux via a stint managing Remy Martin's vineyards in the Clare Valley in Australia. Yeah, I mean, Would it's, you it's, believe? It's an intriguing backstory, isn't it? Um, Pauline took over three years ago, and the estate is based about 30 minutes southeast of Bordeaux City up the uh, Garonne River. Um, they've got all sorts of things there. They've got old vines, Semillon, they're adding Petit Verdot and Malbec. So they really do sort of ex- exemplify the dynamic we were just discussing. Yeah, exactly, you know. exactly. Um, they also make a no added sulfur Merlot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in the process of moving the estate fully organic uh, with Terravitis certification and, and they place a big accent generally on sustainability. Anyway, I started by asking Pauline to explain the coat and, and what they mean for a wine drinker. So it's a big family, the Côte de Bordeaux, and in this big family, there is a a lot of uh, different uh, small regions of Bordeaux, uh, which are gathered into uh, Côte de Bordeaux. And uh, so it's mostly the idea of um, outstanding uh, terroirs, where uh, historically uh, wine was made. Uh, and usually it's, um, let's say, quite small family-run estates. And you're in Cadillac. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. So Cadillac is a small uh, medieval uh, village. Uh, actually, historically, uh, we used to make a lot of sweet wines in Cadillac. And now at days, so it's the terroir there is uh, mainly, so it's hills and hills and slopes uh, a bit everywhere, uh, usually south-southeast exposure where the vineyard is uh, planted. Uh, we are facing the Garonne River and it's mostly on this bank of the river, it's mostly clay and limestone, nice terroirs for uh, Semillon, for white grapes and uh, for Merlot uh, in uh, red grapes. So you said Cadillac used to be an area of mostly sweet wines. Is it less and less sweet wine nowadays? Yes, it is definitely uh, nowadays, and I'm saying nowadays, but for the past 30 years, maybe, <laughs> which is nowadays when we talk about uh, viticulture, it's uh, red uh, red grapes uh, mainly. Hmm. Is that just because that's what the market wants? You know, the market wants doesn't want so much sweet wine, it wants more red wine? I think at some point it can explain uh, historically why in the 60s uh, so many red grapes were planted. Nowadays, I think that um, the red uh, wines uh, we make uh, prove to be uh, interesting enough, uh, so we continue uh, in that uh, direction. Now, you're not usual uh, in Bordeaux in that your parents came from Alsace and Champagne and, and they also lived and worked in the Clare Valley in Australia for six years years. What does that mean for, for, for the domain for you and for your wines? Um, yeah, I think so my parents settled uh, 30 years ago. They bought uh, this place and some plots around and uh, I think it's uh, it allows me so I grew up here personally. Then uh, I lived uh, for a few years in Singapore as well. Uh, this uh, history, let's say, uh, or small story, um, makes me uh, maybe a bit more free in what I'm, uh, mm. uh, what I'm doing. I don't have uh, ten uh, generations of uh, wine growers before me, and uh, maybe that's easier to cope with uh, on a daily uh, basis. And and how does that freedom manifest itself? You know, what what are you doing with that freedom that's maybe a little bit different, that maybe isn't so 
traditional. In the Côte de Bordeaux, so we are historically uh, wine growers and winemakers, but at the same time, I think there is a new generation coming in. Uh, we are all in the, our 30s, 40s. We have the flexibility and the agility in small family-run estates to, to create some new wines, to plant uh, what we think is uh, the best. Um, so I think there is a kind of uh, yeah flexibility and agility that uh, we really have uh, in that region. Now you've started to make a no-sulfur-added uh, wine, for example, a Merlot called Le Bouin if I pronounce that right, uh, pour gourmandise. Uh, why are you doing that? I think there are two interesting uh, things in that wine uh, specifically. Uh, first, it's a plot selection. So you mentioned it uh, right, Les Bois. And I think for a long time in Bordeaux, we were more buying like a label coming from one chateau or one estate. Or And nowadays, I think specifically in the Côte de Bordeaux, I think... Uh, uh, wine growers are uh, promoting themselves, saying, I'm doing, I'm making that wine, which is uh, uh, nice. And uh, by the way, I have that plot, which is uh, specific and that you need to taste uh, uh, alone. Uh, so it's a bit uh, the idea behind uh, this wine. Uh, it's a, like, frankly, beautiful uh, clay on limestone uh, in my village of Lyons. Uh, I think one of the most beautiful plots of the estate. Uh, so instead of putting it uh, in the blend uh, and uh, expecting it would uh, improve the, the blend, uh, we decided to show it uh, uh, as a standalone uh, plot. Uh, and uh, this, I think Merlot is a great variety, uh, which is really um, pure in terms of uh, fruit and richness and uh, not putting any not adding any sulfur really helps showing it uh, in a fantastic mm. uh, way so an emphasis on on terroir starting to emerge more and more uh, and also purity and and honesty you you mentioned um you like to make honest wines uh, which i was intrigued by and also wines with freshness what what do you mean by both those terms uh, so honest uh, is maybe the easiest to define. I think it's the uh, when I buy a bottle personally, uh, I, I don't want to think uh, uh, for one hour if I uh, can open this bottle because it's very expensive. I think when you buy uh, directly from a wine grower a wine uh, that is made, for example, in the Côte de Bordeaux, it's uh, a bottle that is not too expensive. Meaning, I'm not uh, making cheap wines. I'm just making uh, affordable wines. And on the contrary, that means that uh, for me as a winemaker and as a wine grower, uh, if one of my customers opens one of my bottles, I want him or her to spend really a good time. And uh, the quality um, for me being a honest wine is... Uh, a wine when uh, when you taste you really enjoy and you discover something and you you understand maybe something about the terroir so it's uh, yeah affordable but uh, at the same time uh, with high quality uh, standards 
Now, um, in terms of grapes, am I right in understanding you recently added plant or planted Malbec? Uh, so Malbec is planned for uh, June. Uh, we planted Petit Verdot um, four years ago that uh, we'll start to produce. But it's true that uh, nowadays, I think uh, more and more uh, wine growers are a bit exploring uh, the number, the varieties they can uh, plant. Uh, of course, we are uh, Merlot-based uh, for our red blends uh, because uh, it's our history, it's our soils. But on the uh, 20%, 30% that uh, remain, I think it's very interesting to enrich with new grape varieties. You, you are allowed to play with uh, more shades, let's say, uh, when you blend, which is uh, always interesting. So why, why Malbec and Petit Verde particularly? I think uh, both are beautiful um, uh, with uh, nice and hot summers. Apart from 2021, which was uh, unfortunately a poor, uh, very poor summer, um, we tend to have um, uh, drier seasons and uh, hotter, uh, warmer uh, seasons in uh, mm. Bordeaux. So talking then about climate change, let's move on to sustainability. It seems to be big on the agenda in Bordeaux at the moment, but what does sustainability mean for you and, and your business in general? Uh, I think I must, uh, I always uh, link uh, sustainability to my uh, age <laughs> and uh, my uh, generation. I think it's uh, really something uh, that is uh, fully uh, integrated. And um, I think people of my age, wine growers of my age, don't see, don't, can't imagine making wine without uh, thinking of uh, sustainability, which is a uh, uh, quite uh, astonishing and that's why uh, with the new generation coming in I think we have this wave of um, organic farming coming in for uh, ourselves now we grow uh, half of the vineyard uh, organically and the idea is to the objective is to go to 100% within two years and uh, I think what is uh, really important as well to understand is that uh, being uh, sustainable uh, doesn't mean only being organic. It can be, um, it's uh, socially uh, working uh, uh, with a team that you respect. It's uh, maybe uh, thinking of your packaging and, uh, for example, not... Uh, not using heavy bottles. It's a lot of, uh, under uh, sustainability, I think there are many ways to see the, the issue. And I think 99% of the wine growers in Bordeaux address the problem or try to answer this, uh, this issue by uh, one way or another. It can be one certification or, or another certification. There are many ways to answer the issue. But at least I think it's something that is uh, on top of our minds. And just to be clear, you talk about your age and your generation. I should just mention for people who can't see you but can only just hear you, you are uh, very young and, and that's uh, lovely uh, to see. But just to preface that context, and I, I think it's really interesting what you say about your generation. It's, it's front and centre of your mindset sustainability alongside the winemaking and that's really interesting to hear i mean you know for example we, we tasted a lovely bottle of your wine uh recently and it had a lovely friend uh, sticker on the label saying be friendly 
uh, je protège les abeilles. Uh, what is that? What is that? I know you, you're saying, you know, sustainability manifests itself in many different ways. Tell us about that as one manifestation of it. So this was a, a label uh, founded by actually a union of uh, beekeepers. Uh, and they try to promote uh, farmers. So it's not only uh, wine growers, it can be uh, all types of uh, farming that uh, in their daily work uh, respect uh, bees and uh, insects. I don't get that uh, label uh, by uh, uh, buying bees, for example. It's just, uh, and I think it's more important, uh, when I work in my vineyard, I have uh, rules I have to comply with to be able to live with uh, bees uh, around my estate or on my plots. And traditionally, you know, Bordeaux traditionally hasn't been big on things like organics. You mentioned you're moving to, to, to organics, ideally 100%. You know, what's the effect on the vineyards and also the wines that you've noticed going through that process? I think it's um, a lot of um, attention uh, being organic, a lot of work and being very close to the vineyard. You have to be very precise in your uh, work uh, to make it uh, happen, uh, meaning that you are more often uh, on the field, in the vineyard, uh, even in the cellar. Uh, so you have to be more precise. And that's, uh, I think, uh, an interesting part of uh, being uh, organic as mm. well. Now, Pauline, you said you are, you know, you are a hardworking uh, family domain in, in the Côte de Bordeaux. Bordeaux is a big region, but one part of Bordeaux is the, the Grand Cru, the big estates. When you see sort of all these controversies going on in Bordeaux, like, for example, Angelus withdrawing from the Saint-Emilion classification, all this sort of stuff, what, what do you make of all of that? How, how does it impact you? Frankly, maybe it's a bit weird to say that, but uh, I think it's uh, we are making we are all making wines and we are all uh, living in Bordeaux, so we we still share a lot of uh, things, but at the same time, it's a, a very different world, like the world of Grand Cru Classé and the world of Côte de Bordeaux. Uh, we share uh, the same uh, home and house. We share the th- the same job. So uh, I mean. Uh, Potentially, uh, we could uh, all be uh, friends and uh, uh, have uh, dinner together. But um, on a, a daily basis and uh, in our day-to-day uh, work, I think we are quite disconnected. And uh, I'm reading that uh, as you in the newspapers, but uh, I'm not uh, fully um, uh, linked uh, with uh, that kind of topic, uh, which is... Uh, quite far from the day-to-day work on a farm. So slightly different worlds. Uh, Pauline Lapierre, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Same house, same job, but different worlds. <laughs> Interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, Bordeaux, is a, it's, it's a big tent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. David Cameron might say it like that. Uh, I think sometimes <laughs> must. we in the media, and also, to be fair, wine drinkers... We tend to focus on the big names, don't we? The, you do the, the with fancy Bordeaux, chateau, the big, you, you know, yeah. the big, the big, the big dogs. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah. actually, there is so much good, exciting, interesting stuff going on at the more grassroots level, isn't there? Yeah, um, which is often worlds apart from the machinations and politics of the big boys. It certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought it was also really interesting how Pauline highlighted an increasing focus on terroir and and mm. on individual 
plots as part of what she and other smaller producers are doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. let's face it, I mean, Bordeaux has traditionally been about the brand or the chateau mm, mm. rather than individual sites, which you think of as a, I think you think of as more of a Burgundian trait, mm, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in our simplistic world. But I I think it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I think it's, it's a real positive, isn't it? You know, I think mm. the big trend in Bordeaux in recent times has been to focus on the vineyard more and more, mm. which is really encouraging, really, really positive. Yeah. You know, Bordeaux's a big place and there must be so many interesting plots to focus on, and, and which I and you, I'm sure, would love to be able to date. If we yeah, I mean, I, I, was gonna, I would just say, though, as long as it doesn't fuel a sort of price boom for for the mm. for super cuvées yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the what happens is the more affordable blends suffer by having the their best bits kind of stripped yeah, out yeah, of them um, yeah. which is what's happened in other regions let's face it yeah i mean I, I, that, that is a good point i mean we'll have to see how it evolves and where it goes but um i also loved pauline you know almost in that context i love her notion of of honest wine you know, it's a beautiful much, way. Much as the same it, as it? I hate the idea of clean wine, but that's another that's another <laughs> that's podcast. An, let's not go there. <laughs> you know, not right so, now. You know, honest wine, in her view, is is wine that's affordable but still high quality in the context, and, and also something that's um, a little bit instructive. You know, about the terroir that made it. It's got mm. something to say for itself. Yeah. Something distinctive, uh, but most importantly, an honest wine is an enjoyable wine. I love that. Absolutely. Hopefully we're an honest podcast too <laughs> and enjoyable. Um, and, and just one final thing. I think it's interesting how she says for her, her generation of younger wine growers, um, what's, what matters to them so much is sustainability. It isn't a vague, distant notion. It is automatic mm, to yeah, them. That, it's ingrained. Really um, yeah. You know, it's absolutely part of the fabric of their approach to wine growing. Mm. Um, and I, I imagine that's partly what's fueling or or driving this wave of sustainability initiatives and awareness that's that's mm. happening right across Bordeaux right now. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and it bodes well for the future too, doesn't it? Um, but mm. talking about waves, uh, we've got some wines to recommend, haven't we? Of course we, we need to do. get onto that. Come on, we've got them here. Dearie me. Um, here we are. Come on. We, we, <laughs> we do. Okay. Well, we've done, a, we've done a couple of tastings, haven't we, for this episode? Mm, um, mm. A whole range of different wines, um, some real diversity on show um, yeah. and definitely good value too. Mm. Um, we're going to pick out a few highlights. We didn't always agree did we we did or did we i I think everyone would be disappointed if we did Um, it would be awful if we actually agreed yeah yeah it's just another way of saying that um, i was wrong and you were right isn't it but no we didn't agree um so we've got some slightly different personal recommendations we have you go first okay off you go so um let me start with this one then um chateau près la lande um which is sainte foy Côte de bordeaux uh this is their cuvee terracotta Mm, 2016, excuse me. This is quite fun. It's biodynamic. I do need one. I I am having a drink. (laughs) I'm trying to remedy this as we go along. It's biodynamic, wild yeasts, no sulfites, aged 12 months in Italian amphorae. And it says it's vegan, uh, suitable for vegans. Now, I find this one, it's quite wild, a bit meaty, gamey. Definitely smoky, wild, dark, juicy fruit, dense, chalky tannin. I really liked it. You found it a little bit big and maybe a little bit wild. A little bit, a little Um, bit. But um, Um, this this one's not cheap. It was $16.99 at Majestic. I don't think it's there anymore. It's sold out. But um, you can get it for about 15 euros in France and Germany. Um, The second one I've got is the Arbo Malbec. We were talking about single varietal wines. Single varietal, Malbec, 2018 from Cote de Border. This is 14%. It's really deep, quite a bit leathery and floral, sort of fleshy and meaty. I love this expression of Malbec. It's, It's a bit rustic, but it's complex. It's savory. It's refined. I think you found it a tiny bit alcoholic because it is fourteen percent and, and, and quite a modern bit, a as well. Modern. But you know, but I really, horses really for courses. Yeah. So this was uh, thirteen ninety nine at Avery's, but I don't think it's again it's sold out. It's about seventeen euros. Clearly, everybody loves you the wines you love. Oh, there we go. 
You're right, Mr. Richards. You're right. <laughs> Go on, which one were Anyway, uh, one of mine is low stocks as well. Mm. Um, so I, I chose of the selection we tasted, I, I, I loved Chateau La Clarière, mm. uh, 2018 from Castillon. Uh, I, it, it's got really rich... It's really wintry, rich, woody, dried fruit notes. Um, it is oaky, but it was dry um, and just quite mm, muscular. It, mm. it had this, it was, it sort of offered a bridge between modern and traditional. It's and I like that. It's the way you sell it. I'm, I'm loving it now. Yeah. Much well, more than I did when I, when I tasted there it. There we go. There <laughs> we go. It's all about the chat. Um, and it's 25 quid from Waitrose. So okay, it's, so it's, not, it's, it's not a cheap one, but you know, quite stylish. It's it's I mm. thought a really stylish one. The other one is less expensive. Chateau Montconseil Gazin, um, twenty eighteen from Bly. Uh, this is um, this was more Bordeaux, more traditional Bordeaux. Mm. I think you found it a bit old school, mm. um, but I like that sort of classic graphite, peppery, very drinkable, very everyday. Um, Nine fifty from the Wine Society, but it, low stocks. Low stocks. So buy, people buy, like buy, this buy. one too. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, you know, I think when I saw the price. You know, I slightly reevaluated. It is that classic graphite, pepper, yeah. earthy. I mean, if you're looking brilliant. for an everyday Bordeaux at under ten quid, I don't think you can go very wrong classic with that. Bordeaux, very yeah. drinkable. It's thirteen percent alcohol, so we're not talking and about under high ten alcohol. quid. It yeah. is, it is a bit of a bargain, and it's got yeah. a bit of maturity too. So, yeah. so well worth yeah, yeah. Uh, Mon yeah. Conseil Gazin. Um, so the one, one other one we did agree on was the Chateau Orient uh, Bordeaux Rosé, which oh, is twenty nineteen, one we of did. Pauline's wines. We like this, really don't sort of we? juicy, foody, very sort of yeah. correct rosé. Well, and it was very. Bordeaux rosé, mm. and so it's got that slightly, you know, you can tell it's made from dark fruits. You know, there's yes. a dark fruit yeah. feel to it. Um, so, so a lunchtime um, rosé, but in a it's got very a stylish way. Little bee friendly sticker on it too. Uh, that's about uh, twelve quid at the wine library. Yeah, and then finally we did we did sort of agree on one wine, which was um, <laughs> I'd say funky all round, wasn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. Le Franc Touche. Is that how you describe Le it? Um, pronounce it. Touche, Le Franc yeah. Touche. Uh, 2020 from mm. Chateau Carbonneau in Saint-Foy, um, Côte de Bordeaux, obviously. Mm. Mm. Uh, it is organic. Uh, it's got a really cool label, which I wish you could see. But these, well, the, we'll the, 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 the words, the, uh, yeah, notes. we'll put the photo put on the show notes. The, 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 the name is in big letters and it looks really cool. Um, and so it's organic. It's pure Cabernet Franc. So we're back to a varietal wine here. It is seriously funky. Um, it's funky leathery. It's meaty. It's quite wild. Um, if you if you understand Britannomyces and what that gives to a wine, then yeah. it's bretty. Um, yeah. But there's lots of dark fruit and there's some bell pepper and it is very Cabernet Franc. Mm. Um, I think we decided it needed food. It's not a kind of a coffer. Yeah. It's yeah. a wine to have with food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what did I say? It was like it's, like it's licking a piece of leather. <laughs> <laughs> or a piece of granite, you know, it's definitely bretty wild, but but it hasn't dried out the tannin. The fruit's still no, very vivacious. It's, it's good. It's kind of. I, th- I think it's that kind crazy. of thing you have to have with a really rustic pate and yeah. a big chunk of bread oh. and you know some some nice cheese as well. Anyway, mm. this is um, twenty two euros from from the chateau and that yeah. chateau yeah. Carbono. Yeah, it's an interesting story as well, Chateau Carbono, isn't it? Uh, so yeah. There was a young family who revived this beautiful sort of eighteen sixties chateau in in Saint Foy. With they had three small kids at the time. It was in the nineteen nineties. They must have been mad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's from in the right way. She, she's in a nice she way. is from New Zealand, Jackie, and 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 he's Bordelais, uh, Wilfred. Um, and they now have this guest house, garden park, and twenty Aquitaine blonde cattle. They're going biodynamic, and they've got some really interesting new wave wines, including this one, but also a, a sort of novel take on Claret, Claret, uh, a wild ferment, Malbec Cabernet Franc co ferment, which is which is so they're well worth checking out. Yeah. 
So there you have it. Mm. Um, it just remains for us to give you details of how to enter our competition, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, so to be in with a chance of winning a case of six fine Bordeaux wines, recommend us to a friend and then mm. just let us know. And you'll go into the draw to win. Um, remember, we have two cases to give away. So you could tag someone in a social media post of ours or just email us, mm. contact at susieandpeter.com. Yeah, we're aware sort of entering these competitions isn't easy. So we're trying to make it easy, uh, as easy as possible. Another way we're going to do is we leave us a speak pipe message okay it's super easy we will put a live link in the show notes which appear on your podcast app uh, or on our website but if it's in your app you're listening there now you can literally just find it in the details click on it uh, it's like leaving a voicemail um, and it can be super short just and we leave love your name hearing them, don't we? Uh, your contact detail say bordeaux competition or something like that maybe an air kiss god oh, leave us an air kiss <laughs> something we can broadcast or if not we won't broadcast it don't worry just leave us the message it's really easy and and just important to add that the prize is for uk residents only you must be over 18 uh, we'll put more details on our website but but thank you in advance for entering and for recommending us thanks also to pauline lapierre and to cote de bordeaux we hope you've enjoyed this episode we'll be back again very soon and until then cheers